Hello, folks. This is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is the 2023 Draft Special, where we'll be taking a look at the finalized NFL mock draft from your boy over here, CJ. Now, I'll explain how I'm going to do it. I've been trying to think it through the best way, the best concept of, of what to do with this, because I've tried a lot of different methods. So let me go ahead and break down what I'm going to be doing for you. What I'm going to do is use the current first round uh, order. And with that first round order, I'm going to discuss my thoughts when taking the player that I took, obviously the position school that they're from, and then the notes of why I took them. Like, so my pre-selection decision, like thought process, and then my post-selection why I did what I did. I won't be doing any trades for that portion. Stick it in that order. And I'll also be doing the Dolphins' uh, second round pick since they got uh, their first round pick taken away. That's number 51 overall. For each team, when I make that selection, I'll also tell you what I think is going to happen. I'll give you some players that will probably come into play for each of those selections and the teams that will probably trade up with those people. So example, everyone's talked about Number three, Arizona. I would tell you my thoughts of what I would do with that pick, the player that I took, and then the notes as to why I took that player in that position. Then I will state what I think Arizona is going to really do with that pick and who they will be dealing with. Got it? Okay. This is the best format I can come up with just to give you all some background. Been doing mock drafts for a very long time. Years ago, it used to be fun, do a bunch, things changed. And then I realized... You know why things change? Because they don't really matter like three months out from the draft. No one knows what the hell they're talking about. Even the teams don't know what decisions they're making. So mock drafts really early on don't mean much of anything except to drive content and conversation, right? Then I use the methodology of using my draft picks and leaving them in positions like I'm doing now as it's standalone mock draft. Well, that wasn't effective because people weren't getting the value of what's going to happen for their team. They give less of a damn about my opinion on what I would do as the GM if I'm not getting them closer to knowing who's going to be on their team. Then I was doing it where I would adjust. I'd still use my rankings, but I'd adjust to some level or extent of what I thought was going to happen with trades and stuff like that. That became too annoying and cumbersome. And honestly, stole my joy (laughs) so i figured that this is the best format for doing it so that's why i switched up so without further ado i'm going to do these 32 picks uh, and kind of fly through them give you some background for each of the teams so with the first overall pick the carolina panthers what i'm doing i'm taking a quarterback that's how i'm thinking prior to taking this i've had a lot of time to think about this having the number one overall pick and i'm taking bryce young quarterback out of alabama i've already stated this he's the best quarterback in this draft class just playing quarterback okay we're going to talk about someone else really soon who had the opportunity to be the pick here okay i think in the nfl this has been floated around a couple of months like a month ago that was going to be cj stroud because he was the bigger quarterback and and frank reich likes big quarterbacks and then all of a sudden this last week and a half it's been bryce young is 100 the pick i think he's going to be the pick but i wouldn't put a damn dime down on it I think teams have gotten a lot better at hiding what they're going to do because honestly, why would a billion dollar organization tell you what they're going to do when other billion dollar organizations are listening? All right. 
Oh, and as far as the number one pick, part of the reason that they haven't made their selection outside of not giving more time for teams to plan that are behind them. The other portion is the NFL wants this draft to be a real show and a drama and suspenseful. If you tell them, tell them who you're taking, the, I mean, you lose a lot of suspense at that stage because it's like, okay, we know exactly who's coming in number one. Hard to bet on who's coming in at number one when you literally already know who's coming in at number one. I think Matt Stafford was the guy where they basically told you a month out that they were taking Matt Stafford. Literally, the team told you. So the, the NFL doesn't want that. <laughs> All right, so the second pick, the Houston Texans. Personally, I'm taking a quarterback, and that quarterback would be Anthony Richardson. All right, quarterback out of Florida. My notes on this, like I said, upper echelon guys. This guy has some of the best talent I've seen, the highest upside since Patrick Mahomes out of me doing this grading when I do my ranges. I might have been a little too low on his bottom side range where I gave him a 97 on the top side and a 77 on the bottom side, which gave him an average of 87. Should have probably been closer to 79 or 80 on the bottom side. He's going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. That would have probably tied him with uh, Bryce Young, but I'm not going to move off my grade unless there's additional information that goes into how this guy is perceived. And the the additional information is actually really positive, so that's why I didn't move the grade either. Um, My thoughts here is, oh, and the reason that I would do this, I'm going to make it really simple. You, I'll tell you right now, no matter what you want to hear from people, he's better than Drake May on every day and twice on Sundays. Okay, period. Drake May is not the guy they're putting out there. He's probably a first round pick, but a late first round pick as far as his talent. He'll end up going top five because that's always what happens. But Caleb Williams, a little different of a story, even though I'd still take at this stage, Anthony Richardson over Caleb Williams. I got to see a little more of what Caleb does. You know, uh, Caleb to me is a. It's a conversation. How about that? So, um, if I'm going to battle against this guy that everyone thinks is this amazing quarterback, really, really good, in fact, may become great quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, why not go get someone who can probably be better than him, has the upside to be better than him, instead of waiting till next year like it seems like they're doing? Now, here's why I think that Houston will take Will Anderson. I'll make this really simple. D'Amico Bryant was just hired. Houston probably really thought that they were going to get Bryce Young in the building. That was going to sell tickets. You got a quarterback to attach to, but also a lot of familiarity. Both Alabama guys, he's got a lot of intel on him, and he's going to bring leadership and a quality to that team that would resonate throughout the organization, an organization that has really bothered its fans over the last couple of years. Will Anderson is one of the safest picks in this draft, much like when I described Trevor Lawrence when they were saying he's generational and one of the best ever. Super safe, right? I don't think he has the upside that people say he does, but his his bottom, like like low side, is is a starter. Will Anderson's gonna bring not only the familiarity and help build that defense out with D'Amico Ryan's being a first year head coach. He didn't want to just go a dip all in on a quarterback when he can build that defense first, get it where he wants, and then if they're bad this year, guess what they'll have? Another top five pick probably more ammunition to go up and get whatever quarterback they want to get. So that's probably their thought process over there, Houston people. All right, moving on to the number three pick. Uh, I'm thinking trading this pick. Obviously, the major reason isn't because the fact that I already have a quarterback. That's a, a contributing factor, but the major reason 
my whole entire lineup was designed for a coach that's not there anymore with a style that was not conducive to the NFL on both sides of the ball. So I need as many picks as possible. And this is a very valuable pick in a quarterback thirsty league. But since I am stuck here and can't trade it, I'm taking Jalen Carter, defense tackle out of Georgia. He's the best player in the draft to me. The off-field concerns or whatever and character concerns, maybe if I had the chance to interview him and really go through some stuff, I'd figure out that that it's enough concern. But it's not concern to me, personally. His tape is what I expect from certain people. What certain people? Defensive tackles who honestly play in a certain a scheme with that much talent where kind of they just, eh, sometimes. He does have some dud moments. But I think it's less his motor than it is he felt probably that things were going to get taken care of. That's just my personal feeling. I, I, I see the power, the strength. I see the Jeffrey Simmons-like or or Chris Jones-like abilities that exist in this guy. Um, real NFL thoughts. This is going to be traded. Now, the big buzz is that it's probably going to be traded to the Tennessee Titans. They're going to move up. That's possible, but that's going to be a lot of draft capital to give away. Rand Carthon just got a building. Shout out to, to the Gators. Um just got a building I don't know if he wants to yet attach himself to a quarterback where they're not selecting at that pick they'd have to trade up from 11 to 3 that's going to take a lot of capital that's going to take probably not only their 11 this year obviously but next year's first round pick maybe a a conditional first second the next year and other capital Uh, a couple of thirds in in a late round draft it's going to take some combination of a lot of picks and probably a player or something like that. There's going to be some movement that's required to move that far up. It's going to be very expensive. Top five movement, moving into the top five, is quite expensive, especially the top three. Uh, I think it's more likely that a team like maybe the Raiders, if they feel good about who's still there, they pop up and go get it. That's a team that I could think would do it. Or even if the Colts get a little gun shy in the moment and decide to send them something and if you're the the cardinals and the colts pop up one spot hey why not get the player you're going to get anyway and gain an extra couple of picks okay like a a a third round and a fourth round cool all right the fourth pick the indianapolis colts personally i'd be taking a quarterback only because the, the 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 owner made it pretty known that he doesn't want to pay a a a large contract he said fully guaranteed. I still am in the camp that Lamar Jackson didn't say he wants a fully guaranteed contract. I think that the dude just wants what he's rightfully owed, which is quite a bit of money. And with that fourth overall pick, I'd select C.J. Stroud, quarterback out of Ohio State. I told you, C.J. Stroud is a step down from Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson to me. But I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I think that he's a souped-up Jared Goff. That style, personally, I don't prefer but I think it can work, and I think it's good enough to be capable in that division. Right now, I don't know if I'm going to be picking there again anytime soon. That team is designed well enough to get things done and get, you know, not be picking in the top five again. So this is the time to grab a quarterback. Uh, and Street CJ Stroud is good enough to take in the top five, in my opinion. Same thing. I think Indy's probably going to sit tight. There's talks of them taking Will Levis. To me, that's a mistake. But if that's your guy, you take your guy. All right, fifth pick, Seattle. I'm 50-50 on trading this pre the, the selection. But since I'm not able to trade it, I'm going to take Tyree Wilson, defensive uh, end out of Texas Tech. I know my head coach and Pete Carroll. 
I know the culture there. I know that it's see ball, get ball. And while this guy is not as refined as Will Anderson, he doesn't do as many things well. You, I don't think Will Anderson is a Hall of Fame player. I think Tyree Wilson has the talent to be a Hall of Fame player. So I'm taking him over Will Anderson in this particular scenario because of everything that mixes and matches there. And being that big, that long, that strong, like that's that's something that Pete Carroll covets. And I think that they would actually work with him uh, a little better than Will Anderson would work with that whole scenario. I think here they'll probably end up taking Jalen Carter or possibly doing some sort of move down. I think that, that Seattle moving down is in play because they might get a quarterback thirsty team. They are in a prime position to control their own fate. Number six. Uh, I'm looking for a defensive stud if I'm the Detroit Lions. And I take Will Anderson, a defensive end out of Alabama. Similar note here. Listen, Will Anderson is not a bad player. I've already said he's a really good player. I think Tyree Wilson has more upside. And also, I prefer that upside over a guy who I think, I think Will Anderson is being overvalued. They're making it seem like he's Vaughn Miller. That guy is not Vaughn Miller. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Let's, let's, let's please get that out of the way. All right? He is... Is, is not, he's more stiff than Vaughn Miller. Like, I think that he gets some of the splash plays that get, get him there. It's, it's, he's a good player. He's a solid player to have there. He's going to work his tail off, but he is not a Vaughn Miller. He is not a generational pass rusher. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. That's my opinion. It's not fact. These are just my opinions. Detroit's going to do what I just said. Unless Seattle does something where, okay, now Arizona and Seattle have taken the two guys who are the top guys, I think Detroit would take Jalen Carter pretty, pretty, pretty fine and be fine taking him and putting him next to a guy like Aiden Hutchinson. So I, I think that they will just react off of what Seattle does. Does Seattle get the trade back for another quarterback to be taken? Then they're definitely sticking there. If Seattle takes him and, and Arizona also got to take Will Anderson before him, maybe they rethink that position and they try to trade back. All right, number seven for Las Vegas. I would have traded up to two, two or three for a quarterback, especially two because I would have wanted Anthony Richardson if I were the Las Vegas Raiders. Not against Jeremy Garoppolo. People say that, you know, uh, Anthony Richardson needs to sit on the bench for a year anyway. Might as well have Jimmy Garoppolo out there for what's probably going to be 12 games because unfortunately that young, uh, young man, unfortunately that man gets injured often. So we'd see what would happen. But that's what I would do if I was them. I would trade up and go get someone that you could sell in Las Vegas. You can sell Anthony Richardson. The big, strong arm, the 4-3-40, all that good stuff. But since I can't trade up in this, (laughs) I'm going to take Devin Witherspoon, uh, defensive back out of Illinois. I listed him as a defensive back specifically because if you watch his film, he is a a good cover corner. He actually is. he, He does what dudes who play like him do. He'll bite on some double. He'll bite on a double move once in a while, but the dude comes up and crushes, <laughs> right? And I think they need someone who, again, will bring the ruckus. The Raiders are still the Raiders. They still have fans that come from LA quite a bit. That dude coming up and hitting you, but it can also cover. This is a good person that I could sell to the fans who could actually play football. Uh, and I think they'll do something like this. They'll go after whether it's Christian Gonzalez or Devin Weatherspoon. I think they'll go after a cornerback in this position, unless one of the quarterbacks they like does fall to them and they make a decision, but I think that's more unlikely than them taking a defensive player. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Hell, I'm going to give the head coach what he wants. I'm giving him B. John Robinson, running back out of Texas. It's pretty simple here. 
they're trying to figure out what to do with the running back position there. The scheme is pretty useful. But the thing is, B. John Robinson can work well in Arthur Smith's scheme or any other coach's scheme if for some reason you parted ways with him. So that's why I'm fine with taking him here. It's not the positional value that people want. But if you look at the money for the number eight pick, it's not exorbitant. You know, if you get in the top five, it can become cumbersome, especially the top three. But at number eight, completely fine. That is good running back level money, not excellent running back level money. People just want to be used to being what they are instead of really getting down to the nitty gritty. I think Atlanta here is probably going to go with a defensive player, a cornerback. Maybe they'll get an edge rusher like Miles Murphy here. Um, That's probably where they're going to go directionally. Number nine, Chicago Bears. I consider trading back. Pick up and accrue as many picks as feasibly possible. You've already spent money this offseason. Now get some picks in. But if I'm not going to move, I'm going to take Brian Brzee. Defensive tackle, you know, three-tech out of Clemson. I like this guy's game. He does play aggressive, plays rough, raw. I don't think he's overly talented, but he's got enough talent for me to take him number nine overall. Um, and he'll come in there in a new defensive scheme with dmp has gone. They'll need someone who can affect uh, the pocket next to Grady Jarrett. So this would be a good addition, in my opinion, on that defensive line. I think the Falcons are going anywhere near the defensive line. Again, not the defensive tackle position. They would not do that. I don't think that that's what they're going to do. I think that they're probably going to go after cornerback as well. This is a hot cornerback market. It'll depend on where people fall and slot in. All right, number 10, Philadelphia Eagles. Look at a trade back. I mean... I'm looking to trade back now because my guy's gone. Bijan Robinson's gone. I thought he was going to follow me at 10 because of all the all the talk. But I can't trade back. So I'm going to take Nolan Smith. Defensive end, pretty much a nine-tech uh, out of Georgia. Look, keep stacking those pass rushers. This guy's always active. He tore his pack last year, and it kept him off the field for most of the season. The season prior, he was out there balling. Beginning of the season, he's out there balling. This dude is a baller, period. Um, I think that this is something that they're not going to do. I think they're actually going to go more on the offensive line side of things. And this is where you'll hear a name that um, you'll see pretty quickly, or you'll see eventually where it lands on my list. But Peter Saransky out of uh, Northwestern might come up as a person that they bring in there who's versatile enough to play tackle or be slotted in as guard um, if necessary because he has quote-unquote shorter arms. People said that as, you know, Rashawn Slater, his old teammate, you know, had the same problem. The difference was Rashawn Slater stonewalled people. You weren't getting around him. He was a hell of a pass blocker, and it showed in the NFL as well. The problem is, Saransky's not that level of player. Not at all. And that's not shade towards him. That's just how much of affinity for his skill set that I have for Rashawn Slater. Moving down to number 11, Tennessee Titans. They need offensive line help and wide receiver help desperately. I'm actually going to get him Osiris Torrance. Uh, offensive guard out of Florida. Now, again, there's talks of them trading up, and they might just do that for a quarterback. I don't think that's horrible, depending on what they have to give away, because Ryan Tannehill's clearly not the answer, and he's going to be a hell of a cap hit. They get a C.J. Stroud. This is probably them parting ways with him, but they need O-line help desperately, and I think he'd be a, Torrance would be a good fit in this uh, system. Number 12, the Houston Texans with their second pick of the draft. Hey, sorry about this, D'Amico. But I take Zay Flowers, wide receiver, uh, out of Boston College. Look, if I'm going to take a quarterback who, and by the way, Anthony Richardson can start for me day one. It's not going to look pretty to some of you all, but guess what? 
My goal wouldn't be for him to start day one. I'd put that veteran out there because that's what you're supposed to do. But he'd really be my starter. It'd be the same way Buffalo did with Josh Allen or the same way that unfortunately how it happened that the Chargers did with Justin Herbert. This dude's going to be starting within the first month of the season. So I want to give him a deep threat to take advantage of that 75-yard arm. And to me, with all due respect, Zay Flowers is the best receiver in this draft class. Um, I don't think that Houston does that. I think they go defense-defense this year. I think they will be stacking. They're going to make sure that defense looks good. They might get a Tyree Wilson if he lasts that long. Doubt it. And they'd have those two, and that would look pretty damn good. Now you have... The beast who has the upside and the guy who's going to be stable, that's a good combination to have uh, no matter what their ages are. All right, we're going to move on to number 13, the Green Bay Packers. They moved up in the draft. Um, I'm pivoting after after the, the, the pick at number 12 because I thought about taking Zay Flowers for Green Bay, but my pivot is to a guy who I wouldn't mind having, a corner, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback uh, out of Oregon. Smooth guy. You just need to see if he's going to what he's going to develop into, but if he's going to transition easily into the system, uh, I think that he would work well in Green Bay. Um, and I think this is something Green Bay could literally do. I doubt that he falls to this level. I think he's probably going to go to Atlanta up at number eight, but Green Bay would definitely take him. I think Green Bay is probably going to end up doing like that. Like I said, even though I said Miles Murphy earlier, he'll probably be there for him. That's their type of guy. They might also go offensive line as well. With a guy like Saransky off the board, Paris uh, Johnson Jr. would be their guy there as well. They want to try to help out Jordan Love. And just that's what they just generally do. They go defense or offensive line early in the draft whenever they've picked with even Aaron Rodgers. All right, number 14, the New England Patriots. I'm giving Bill another piece on the defense. I've said his name multiple times here, but this is now my selection. Miles Murphy, defensive end out of Clemson. I think that he would work well. They don't have a lot of defensive pass rush, but that defense was still pretty damn good without it. They had to, in certain times, manufacture pressure. If it wasn't Matthew Judon getting it, they weren't getting pressure. So they had to, to do weird stuff to try to do it, whether it was artificial blitzes, things like that. By artificial blitz, I mean... You know, you're forward off of one side, come heavy on the other side. You're really only rushing four, but it looks like it's it's five or six. Um, they had to do that quite a bit. So I think that they would, would actually naturally fall in here. Now, in the real draft, I think that they're probably going to try to go after a defensive lineman uh, in this position. The only thing I could see happening that would be kind of, hmm, but I doubt it, is if, you know, someone like Isaiah Flowers is on the board, their receiving core is, doesn't have a player that really is like that as far as like they have explosive uh young man out of baylor can't he slips my mind right now i'm doing this off the top of the head folks except for my picks but um talk on thornton i think yeah um so i think they might do that and that might be sneaky but in general i think they're probably going to try to attack the defensive uh in slash outside linebacker position for this draft all right moving on to number 15 the New York Jets. So they just signed Aaron Rodgers, right? Guess what? I'm almost, I have to, no matter what I want to do, go after an offensive lineman. But I get a good one at this position. Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle out of Ohio State. I think he's going to pretty easily slot in at the right tackle. Hopefully, Mekhi Becton is actually back to health. We'll see how that goes. But if not, he can play the left tackle position. So I think that this is a good player to bring in. Again, positional value here. 
New England probably was going to go after offensive tackle at some point. But, like I said, there's a, a decent number of offensive tackles here as long as there's not a run. In my personal draft, I don't take offensive linemen too high unless they are, in my opinion, generational. Because it's just, it's... it's someone said it like this, and I agree with what he was trying to say. It's like, man... They don't score touchdowns. <laughs> like they just the value that you can get from these other players that get pushed down the board. Um, I'd rather have them, and I'd rather shoot a lot of shots at offensive linemen, especially ones who came from programs and systems that allowed you to truly block. <laughs> okay, so that's why Iowa guys, Notre Dame guys, these guys from Stanford, they always do as well as they do, and it's because they allow you to actually block. Okay, Ohio State's one of the few teams that kind of buffs that. Uh, Alabama used to be that, but Alabama used to get everyone's talent, so it was a little different. Um, so they haven't been hitting quite as much as they used to in the past. Uh, I think that's what the Jets are. I mean, I think that's what the uh, Jets are going to do. They're going to go after an offensive lineman. Period. All right, number sixteen, Washington Commanders. Still hard to say for me, <laughs> but I think they're going to go after uh, a DB, or I would go after a DB or defensive end. So I'm going after. Uh, Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland, local product uh, for the most part from collegiate level. Look, they didn't resign or they didn't uh, pick up the fifth year option for uh, Chase Young. That doesn't explicitly mean that they are done with him or anything like that. I think they just want to make sure that he's actually healthy, let him play out this year. Then they'll probably give him a mild contract unless he has an amazing year, which I just don't know if he'll have. So, I'll go after DB here and not reach for a defensive lineman. I've taken a lot of defensive ends early in this because affecting the quarterback is huge in today's game. Um, I think that they're probably going to do something like this. They will probably go after someone in the secondary just to bolster the back end. Um, there's a possibility that there'll be more defensive ends on the on, on the board at this stage. And if they are, then they'd pivot that way. All right. Pick number 17. Offensive lineman, offensive lineman, offensive lineman. That's what I'm thinking prior. I take Alex Forsythe, center out of Oregon. The reason I do it is they need help on the interior. He's a, he's a heady center. He does a really good job. Um, he's functionally strong. He doesn't have many holes in his game. Um, and a guy who doesn't have many holes in his game, you know, plays well above the neck. Let's just say it like that. Uh, I think he fits really well in what Mike Tomlin wants a player to do. And I think that that's what Pittsburgh is going to do. Um, Kenny Smith's the, uh, Kenny Pickett is their guy. Whether I believe him to be a high-level quarterback or not does not matter. They do. That's why they picked him. They got to protect him. And that's what they're going to do in the real draft as well, folks. All right. Number 18, Detroit. You know, I'd really likely trade down if I was the GM of Detroit at this 18th pick. But since I'm forced to pick... I'm picking Quentin Johnson, wide receiver, out of TCU. I think it's a good addition since you just lost DJ Chark. They're not the same player. Let me start there. You brought back Marvin Jones Jr. You have him on Ross St. Brown playing in the slot. Quentin Johnson will play more of that Z role because he doesn't get up on press well. He actually reminds me of Kevin White that came out of West Virginia several years back, but he was often injured. Uh, if you allow this guy to get off the line, so playing off, off the line of scrimmage at the Z, would allow for that. This guy's a hellion down the field. It's just whether or not he's going to catch the ball. 
They will work with him to, to make him better at it. In worst case scenario, treat this as a luxury pick. You're picking with your real pick, but now you get the chance to get a guy who at one stage till I really started to look at how Zay Flowers played was my number one receiver because of what he offered physically. It was just, he is so inconsistent catching the ball. But in this Detroit offense, I don't think that it's as huge of a deal. And Jamison Williams, who was supposed to be that guy, when will he get, when he comes back from that six-game suspension, he's also got to get back into football shape. He's also got to get acclimated to the NFL because he didn't play much last year. So there's a lot of things. I think this is a good pick to kind of bolster things. And worst-case scenario, he is their number three receiver with Myra St. Brown, who is eating at the slot, and then Jamison Williams playing uh, on the other side once he comes back. I think Detroit's probably actually going to go defense here. What I think they're probably going to do is, since they would likely attack uh, a defensive lineman early, they'll probably go after a secondary player late. Remember, they uh, traded away uh, Jeff Kuda. So let's see what they do there. All right, we're going to go to 19, Tampa Bay. Okay. I would hold tight and see what happens. That's what I'm thinking. Just see how the draft board plays out. And something interesting happened. You know, Baker Mayfield was signed to a one-year deal, right? You got Kyle Trask, who is just, he's a hes a, hes a backup. He's not even a spot starter. He's a backup. I'm taking Hendon Hooker here. And the reason I'm taking Hendon Hooker is I didn't have to do any silly moves up to go get him. I think that he can be a, a fringe first, second rounder. The grade I have on him is a second round grade. Taking a second round grade at 19 when it's a quarterback is excellent. And you can let him work his way back into to shape, make sure that ACL is fine, good to go. Worst case scenario. Uh, worst case scenario, Baker Mayfield starts for the whole year. Um, my whole thing is this, and I stick to this. Whenever someone tells you that you can allow a 24-year-old or, or older, like 24, 25-year-old quarterback that you just drafted, you're able to sit they're either not that good and should never go in the first round or they're coming off of a severe injury like an ACL tear. That's the only reason that I'm comfortable taking Hendon Hooker here is because he's coming off an ACL tear even though he's 25 years old. All right. I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are actually probably going to pursue. You ready? If he falls, they'll pursue B. John Robinson. I don't think that's a crazy thing. I just doubt he falls. I think he's going around 14, 15, that range, even if some are trade back. Uh, scenario, Maybe New England moves back because they see how the board fell and someone really jumps up and they're like, we can still get what we want at this position because the number one offense tackle we wanted was taken by Green Bay or whatever it is. All right. Number 20, the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going with a big swing pick here. All right. Remember how we took Tyree Wilson earlier because of his physical traits and how he plays? I'm taking a guy who has not the physical looking traits, but plays like a wild man. Kalaja Clancy, uh, defensive tackle out of Pittsburgh, undersized. I think that he can actually end up playing like kind of an odd five, even seven technique guy. He can be moved outside in certain packages. Kind of like Michael Bennett used to be utilized uh, sometimes with them, where his body type is like this tweener defensive tackle, defensive end. I think a a guy like Pete Carroll just wants to throw stuff at the wall with dudes who are active, active hands, physically gifted. They'll disrupt the quarterback in any way possible. So 
I think this is a good addition to a team that would probably utilize him quite well. Seattle is more than likely trying to get rid of this pick. Do not expect Seattle to make a selection with number 20. Okay? I think Seattle will get rid of this pick because the guys that they want to fill those roles probably won't be there anymore. Jackson Smith the Jigs was probably not going to be on the board. He'd be a good addition to play on that team so he can get a third option. Um, the guy who can play primarily on the slot because even though he's shorter, Tyler Lockett's not a slot wide receiver. He just is not. And it's okay. So this would be a, that would be a good addition. He'll probably be off the board. They might not have comfort. They'll look to move back. 21, Los Angeles Chargers. Get a slot wide receiver is what I'm thinking in my mind. Keenan Allen is getting up there in age. He's continuously hurt with injuries that are tied to if you're fast, you get hamstring issues, or if you're getting a little long in the tooth. He's had hamstring issues a couple of times now. So I take the aforementioned Jackson Smith and Jigba, slot wide receiver out of Ohio State. Um, While Seattle might take him in real life, I wouldn't when I can do something with the defense and help out over there uh, because I do think that that's an improving defense. They can recreate kind of the Legion of Boom-ish just as far as like having an active and fearful defense. So Justin Herbert gets his guy. I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to go after, try to get some more assistance for Justin Herbert, whether it's getting a tight end like a Michael Mayer or maybe they even go after running back and try to really trade uh, Austin Eckler, maybe to Dallas or something like that. Uh, draft night might be interesting for trades, especially of positions that are being devalued uh, of late. Number 22, the Baltimore Ravens. I'm thinking O-line help. So I go with Dewan Johnson, offensive tackle out of Ohio State. This man is massive, like 6'8", 6'9", like 370. But he's actually pretty agile. It's kind of like the Makai Becton situation where they're more agile than they should be for their size. Um... I think he would fit really well uh, over at their right tackle position. And whether Lamar Jackson plays there again, which I, I, I'm i still sticking to 0% chance of him playing there ever again, unless he gets, he goes back there at the end of his career or something like that. Um, I think there's a 0% chance of Lamar Jackson, let me fix this, plays the 2023 season in a Ravens jersey, period. Um, but whoever plays back there, I think this will be a helpful player. Now, they might go offensive line, and because Todd Monken came in, maybe they go with Roger Jones out of uh, Georgia. I just haven't seen enough of him other than, like, these splash plays. He hasn't started much, but he's kind of splashy. Could end up being a really good player, but not the caliber of player yet uh, John, uh, Jones, sorry, Juan Jones is. All right. So, we go on to number 23, the Minnesota Vikings. How many lost out Adam Thielen? Yeah, there's an option or there's options with Dalvin Cook who might end up going down to Miami and blah, blah, blah. Well, at this stage, none of that has happened, so I can't decide that yet. So I'm going to take Jordan Addison, wide receiver, out of USC. Uh, He can play in the slot. We can play the Z receiver as well. This is the type of versatility now you have with having a Justin Jefferson who dominates in the slot, also a Z receiver, has some ability to play X, but that's not really what he does. So... Now you have a little versatility on that offense. You can keep doing a lot of different things that people are not used to. And Addison is, while not the, how can I put this? 
I don't think he's the upper echelon wide receiver, but I think that he's really, really good. Like, really, really good. He's somewhere in between uh, Bobby Trees, uh, Robert Woods, and Steve Smith, the USC Steve Smith. All right. So, in real life, I think Minnesota does try to attack and go after uh, another wide receiver to try to fill the void of Thielen. I think that's an actual move that they do. Either that or if there's anyone who slips on the defensive line, they'll go after the uh, player there. All right. Number 24, Jacksonville. I'm thinking that we need an inline tight end so that we can do the full package of plays that are required for Doug Peterson. And there happens to be one on the board, Michael Mayer, uh, tight end out of Notre Dame. I'm not huge on taking tight ends uh, in the first round unless they offer me one of two things. One, they're generationally talented, Kyle Pitts. Two, they have the ability to move to another position uh, because they're a really good blocker. Uh, I know that sounds weird to say for a tight end, but you know, Dwayne Washington is a guy who I would consider at the end of the first round, depending on the structure of my team, but he's not a good enough blocker to do so and not a good enough receiving tight end. Michael Mayer is a legitimate inline tight end, a pretty good blocker, actually above average blocker, um, and excellent hands. And I think he'd fit really well into what they do in Jacksonville because Evan Ingram, even if he's not, even if he does come back, they are going to play completely different positions. And I think in the real NFL draft, there is a chance that they'll take, uh, uh, Kincaid or, or or whatever, they're probably going to attack that because their tight end room's thin, especially if Evan Ingram doesn't sign that uh, franchise tag. All right, number twenty-five, we have the New York Football Giants. They need secondary help. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. Uh, the secondary needs help. So I go DJ Turner, cornerback out of Michigan. Yes, he's undersized, but he can turn and run with anyone. Has really good uh, ball skills, uh, kind of like a Jordan Lewis. Uh, as far as like having the size and skill, maybe it's the Michigan jerseys on, but also runs like a 3-6 in the 40-yard dash. So, uh, hella speed. I think they're going to do something like this in real life. They'll probably go after another corner. They may jump up. I don't think they jump up far, but they may jump up a couple of picks if someone falls that they really like. But they're going to probably go with the cornerback in the draft in the first round. Uh, possibility of trade back. I think that's really their focal point for selection. Number 26, Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is one that I think is really fun. All right. Speed in the backfield. I give him Jameer Gibbs, running back out of Alabama. Listen to me, this is a home run. They want to run the ball more. Now, you give him Tony Pollard can play the Tony Pollard role again, which is Tony Pollard shouldn't be getting uh, 17, 18, 19 carries a game. He's not that type of running back. Never has been. Likely never will be. Coming off of a pretty severe injury as well. So we don't know what Tony Powell is going to be there. And Gibbs now gets the opportunity to play in a system where hopefully they just tell him, look, get the F up the field. Like, stop waiting. You're not Elvin Kamara. Don't play like that. Please just do what you do. And this dude would murder in that system. And in real life, yeah, people talk about Dallas probably going to try to trade up for Bijan, all this stuff. This is a real life selection that they could actually do and not lose any draft capital and end up hitting a home run. So strongly consider it Dallas Cowboy organization. All right. Number 27, the Buffalo Bills, uh, defensive second level help. 
So I go with Drew Sanders, linebacker out of Arkansas. Versatility, uh, playing alongside Matt Milano, the lost Trey Edmonds. This guy is a, a pretty adept uh, blitzer from the second level. Uh, he can rush the passer when necessary in certain packages, but he also plays inside linebacker pretty well. Probably end up playing some sort of variation of outside linebacker there because they have a weird scheme where they play 4-3, 5-2, all sorts of stuff there. But he's versatile enough to do all that. So I think this is a perfect fit. In real life, I think they're probably going to actually pursue a wide receiver. I think that's the worst thing that they've been doing for Josh Allen. Let me start there. Because they keep trying to put these receivers out there and people keep saying, he needs wide receiver help. He needs wide receiver help. The man has Stephon Diggs. While Gabriel Davis isn't what you all thought he is, he's more of a number three receiver. He's got a solid receiver in Gabriel Davis. They just signed, uh, oh my goodness, from the Saints. Hardy. Um, Okay, so he doesn't need that. What they need is to change the freaking scheme and have a running back run the ball more. It's boring, but guess what will happen? Your dude will actually stay safe and not end up like Cam Newton getting beat to crap. And you won't need 19 receivers on the field. So Buffalo, for the fans who think I hate you all, I actually give more of a crap about them being successful than it seems like you do because you keep asking for this silliness. Don't let them run Josh Allen to the ground. Stop getting 19 wide receivers. Get a different scheme where he doesn't do as much. Um, We're going to move on to the team that beat them in the playoffs, the Cincinnati Bengals. Secondary help. I really considered a running back here because the whole Joe Mixon thing just sniffs, uh, smells, and stinks of he's not going to be on that team. Um, They're just trying to figure out how to do it. But... Yeah, secondary help because they had a lot of uh, people leave. So I go with Brian Branch, uh, defensive back out of Alabama. It's probably suited to play like that that slot corner type scenario that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. So he'll probably be doing that. But it gives them flexibility in case they need to move him back to safety. They can move Daxton Hill, all sorts of stuff. Now they have more flexibility back there in that secondary. All right, and Lou Alamurmo gets to do whatever he wants to with that whole setup, and he gets another piece to work with. In real life, I think they're going to do that. People talked about them pursuing tight end. With how they utilize that that offense where Joe Burrow is running it, that tight end is not nearly necessary, especially since they picked up Irv Smith Jr., who, as long as he's not injured, should be an upgrade in some ways to what they had in Hayden Hurst. All right, number 29. Now, this is a bit of a... It's accurate, and they're probably going to do this. Refresh the, the D-line. But this is a homer pick, and it's because he's better than I think people realize. Allie Gay, a defensive end who, listen, him playing behind Cam Jordan, I think that Cam Jordan could help him develop into like his heir apparent, right? And the the homer pick is because he's from there, right? Louisiana guy from LSU. So I think this will be a good match. I would have no problem picking him at the end of the first round. We've had some swings and misses with guys Peyton Turner. Let's see how that goes because he's not too far in his career where he's a bust. Definite swing and a miss with Marcus Davenport, but we knew that from day one, in my opinion. But yes, in the real life, Saints fans, I think they're going to look at re- replenishing the defensive line's health and, and, and talent. So they'll go young there. They'll probably take several defensive linemen in this draft. All right. With the number 30 pick, the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Now, the top two uh, top two running backs have gone off the board. Like, I considered taking earlier, and I mentioned it, B. John Robinson at 10. He was gone. I would have considered taking, I would have actually taken Jameer Gibbs, Gibbs here. He's gone. I'm not reaching for the running back. So I take a value pick, and I go with Josh Downs, slot wide receiver out of UNC. Now you give this emerging superstar quarterback in Jalen Hurts more weapons to work with as far as, see, they don't run, well, they got to stop running Jalen into the ground, first off, but they have to give this a chance, which is now those boxes are light. Okay? So give him this. And I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to see a different offense that's able to be run. Where Jalen Hurts is not running the ball nearly as much, although he'll still be running the ball. So I like the addition here because they don't ask Jalen Hurts to be Superman as much as they ask uh, Josh Allen because Josh Allen really goes out there and tries to be it uh, when he shouldn't because I want that guy to actually survive. Uh, what Philly would do with this pick, I honestly think that Howie Roseman would again tack, attack the offensive or defensive line, whichever one. Uh, so if they picked an offensive lineman earlier, they'll go D-line late and vice versa all right number 31 kansas city chiefs with a value pick of all sorts i'd go with dalton kincaid the deep uh, the tack the tight end can't talk today folks tight end out of utah flex tight end here's why i think this would be an excellent selection for them here travis kelsey is still balling fantasy players know that but real travis kelsey still balling i think he's got another two years of being really good still one year being high level best tight in the game type scenario but this guy feels like a Travis Kelsey he's an adequate blocker I think that he just he can learn these little nuanced tricks from Travis Kelsey and I think that he could develop into another Travis Kelsey after Travis Kelsey does actually retire in a couple of years so I like this addition for them they love running 13 personnel anyway so now you have another tight end that you can utilize here to sneak out of a backfield or do whatever weird stuff you want to do with. In real life, I think Kansas City's probably going to still add to the defense. They've been going young on the defense and it's worked. Um, they'll probably go with the defensive uh, lineman here as well uh, in the real draft. And then the final pick of this mock, uh, the 51st pick by the Miami Dolphins, they need help at running back, period. Yes, I know that Raheem Mostert got some real money and good for him. But he's shown a track record of his body not holding up. And that's not shade in him. It's, that sucks for him because the dude balls whenever he gets a chance. Jeff Wilson Jr., um, he's like a Raheem Mostert light with the same injury issue. So I'm going with Tajay Spears, running back out of Tulane. Um, one of my top five running backs, um, actually number five. This dude, I mean, number four, this dude is a baller, folks. He does everything that you want him to do. He's just not the exceptional athlete of the guys or exceptional running back of the guys that went prior to him. This would be a great fit for him. Get some youth in there, not having to spend money uh, next year. And then you've spent all the money you need to on defense to improve that. But now you get an offensive boost as well. Miami's probably not going to do this. You know what Miami's probably going to do? Wait for it. Offensive line again. It's what they do every year. So they'll probably pick another offensive lineman. Um, That's what's going to probably happen, in my opinion. All right, folks. That was my mock draft, my little blended mock draft, me doing a little bit different than usual. 
I hope you enjoyed it because, you know, I put it together. I was willing to do this. I'm going to put, I'm going to actually do my usual live announcing where I predict the picks prior to. I'll do that on Twitter. I haven't been using Twitter in a while for a reason because honestly, Twitter is annoying. (laughs) Best way to put it. Uh, For those of you all who are new or don't follow me, you can follow me uh, at the handle at CJ Florida nine. It's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out and the number nine. Other than that, I may do uh, some some live stuff uh, right before the draft starts. Um, go whether it's IG live or something like that. Uh, just let you all see it. You know, have some conversation. Uh, when I do it, feel free to pop some questions up. I'll answer the questions uh, unless they're ridiculous. <laughs> but even then, I'll still probably have a little fun to answer them. And then also, I'll be at the draft again tomorrow night, doing rounds two and three. And yeah. We'll just get this one in. Um, So for the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast, I'm Chris James signing off. Enjoy the first round tonight. I hope you get what you want from your teams. I hope my Saints actually listen and replenish that defensive line and get things going. Take care, folks. And as always, just remember, give yourself grace. Give other people grace as much as you can. And more than anything else, love yourself. Really, really try to love yourself. Goodbye.